This is an AMI podcast. This is an AMI podcast. Hello there. I'm Stephen Scott, blind tech user and host of Double Tap Canada on AMI Audio. Does the prospect of exciting new assistive tech keep you up at night? Oh, good. It's not just me then. Double Tap Canada might just be the show for you. Check us out on whatever podcasting platform you prefer. You're listening to the Kitchen Confession Podcast with Chef Mary Mamalidi. Food is about so much more than just eating, right? It's about memory. It's about uh, family. It's about experiences. You could probably throw a dart at the table of contents and I could tell you some story about it. We made on the weekend. It was based on a recipe that my aunt taught me how to make when I was a teenager. She would try to teach us to be adults in a certain way. And so she taught me how to make this rosemary stew with little dumplings on it. And we also made a very special salad. We used watercress and she had walnut oil. And these ingredients all seemed like totally fancy. But I have such a clear memory of being in her kitchen and her showing me how to make that. And uh, she passed away seven years ago. And so I always make that stew on what would have been her birthday. That's Claire Tanzi. She's a cookbook author, recipe developer, cooking instructor, and food expert on CityLine. Claire, thanks for coming on the show. So happy to be here. Tell us a bit about yourself and where your love of food comes from. Well, I grew up in a family that loved to eat. um, So that was probably where it all began. Um, You know, the type of family that when you're having dinner, you're talking about either yesterday's dinner or another dinner in your past that was amazing. Uh, You're talking about breakfast when you're having dinner. So we're just very, very focused on food. Mm -hmm. Um, My mom's an amazing home cook. And so are all my aunts and everybody. So I grew up really in an atmosphere of uh, loving food, living for food. Um, And then uh, when I, uh, I mean, it's a a long and crooked road about how I got into this as a career. But when I was in university, I kind of thought, oh, maybe I could actually cook for a living. Like I didn't actually think about it being a career because it was just so much a part of who I am and my my life. Mm -hmm. And so it kind of went from there. I apprenticed as a chef uh, and, uh, you know, some, gosh, almost 30 years later, here we are. Well, I read something really interesting about you. And what a lot of people may not know is that along your culinary journey, you did some professional improv for four years. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Can we just talk a little bit about that? Like, was was it here in Toronto? Uh, No, I went to university in New Brunswick. And um, when I was there, I was actually, so I have two degrees in in theater studies, um, an undergrad degree and a a graduate degree as well. And when I was doing my undergrad, I auditioned and was hired by a local improv troupe. We performed every Friday night uh, during the school year. Uh, It was, my gosh, our our showtime was 11 o'clock on a Friday night, which this... (laughs) Now I'm in my 40s. That feels like I've been in bed for an hour and a half by that point. So we had this show at 11 o'clock and um, you you just packed the auditoriums with it. It was so much fun. Uh, And I did that for four years, um, every almost every Friday night. Improv is an amazing training for life because improv is all about um, not just thinking on your feet, but also finding humor everywhere. I'm so glad I did that. It was it was so fun. Um, and I think it's kind of, you know, I, I hate to make it like business training, but it was really good training for life. Well, you mentioned that university was the first time you considered cooking as a career. Yeah. How did things take off? Yeah. So when I was in university, um, again, the same place, I was 
looking for a part-time job and I went to a school in a really small town called Sackville and there weren't a lot of places to get you know part-time jobs the president of the university had a big sort of a fancy house where they hosted a lot of events and gatherings for the school and for the you know the board of directors and the visiting professors and that kind of thing and so the mom in that family hired students to run the kitchen and so I went in and started cooking you know, in my off hours for big parties. And then that was in my third year. And in my fourth year, uh, I was promoted to be the kind of, to run the show. So to run everybody, to run the whole team who was doing all the cooking there and fantastic job. I mean, really terrific uh, part-time job. And it really kind of solidified my understanding of how food can be a career. I mean, this is 1996. So this is before everything exploded, food TV and blogging and social media and all that stuff. So at that time, restaurants really weren't considered a glamorous career, but it did really make me realize how much I love food, how much I loved cooking. Um, And so it was out of that experience that I decided to then go on after I graduated from undergrad and to apprentice as a chef and actually become chef. And that was three years. And then um, a bunch of things happened. I had a back injury. I got really bored in the restaurant business um, because ultimately it is quite a boring business. And so that's when I went back to school and um, got my graduate degree in, intending to become a professor, like to go on, get my PhD, become a professor. I love, I love teaching. I've always thought of myself as a teacher first, but I couldn't stop cooking. And so I had part-time <laughs> jobs in bakeries and restaurants. And ultimately I thought, well, I can't, I can't get away from this. I really love this. And I was in a, in a doctor's office and I was reading um, Chatelaine magazine a million years ago, probably about 2000 or so. Uh, and I saw mm-hmm. in the front of Chatelaine magazine that they have a test kitchen. And I had one of those proverbial light bulb moments. That's exactly what I want to do. Um, and so I moved to Toronto to try to get a job in the Chatelaine test kitchen. <laughs> They they don't just give you that job by the way when you show up. No. <laughs> well, it took it took eight years. It took eight years of uh, of uh, freelancing and doing every job on under the sun here in Toronto, and then um, the actually uh, the woman who was the food editor at Chatelaine for thirty years, um, mm-hmm. Rosenberg became a bit of a mentor to me, and she retired. And after she retired, I applied for the job and got it. And so there I was, twenty ten. I got the job as food director at Chatelaine Magazine. What's it like running a test kitchen? Like, I mean, I would imagine it just being recipe after recipe after recipe and just kind of going, <laughs> yeah. at, but I'm sure it's not that way. <laughs> it's, um, it's a wonderful mix of things. So we had a great kitchen, um, a, a domestic kitchen, like just like everything, every ordinary appliances, you know, like people have in their own yeah. homes, but just lots more of them. And, um, you know, I had a team of about 10 people who were recipe developers and recipe testers. And we worked together to, um, I mean, our, our kind of, our, our daily work was to get uh, recipes into the magazine. And we didn't just supply uh, Chatelaine with recipes, but also all of the other sister brands under the Chatelaine umbrella. That was Today's Parent, Canadian Health and Lifestyle, Flair, um, Hello, even uh, Chatelaine in Montreal. So we were producing about a thousand recipes a year. Um, wow. which means yeah you're just cooking all the time yeah as the director I was not uh, like I was sort of overseeing the whole thing and doing a lot of the strategy and of course doing a lot of the media so doing all the tv and radio and oh you know the meetings and stuff like that but for the most part there was just a lot a lot of eating 
Um, and, (laughs) (laughs) and a lot of really thinking deeply about food. And that's one of my favorite things is like to look at a recipe and to say, okay, how can we make this easier for the home cook? How can we make this tastier in a simple way? How can we make this more affordable, less complicated, uh, quicker, um, you know, with fewer dirty dishes, how can we make this the absolute best possible version of this recipe so that the people who use it will love it and will love the experience. I would love it if you would play a couple of games with me. Are you up for it? Yeah, of course. Love games. Okay. First game, this or that. The choice is yours. You can get with this or you can get with that. While cooking, do you listen to music or do you prefer silence? Option three, podcasts. <laughs> Good answer. In the Kitchen Confession podcast right there on number one. Done. <laughs> morning person or night owl? Morning, morning, morning. 100%. Baked or fried? Baked. Soup or salad? Soup. I do love salad, though. I know, right? That's Sorry. a toughie. Okay, 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 soup. We're going to stick with soup. Okay, okay, okay. First answer, I'll take it soup. Okay. Sweet or salty? Sweet. Toothpaste squeezed from the middle or the bottom? This is rigged. Are you? <laughs> this is my husband on the phone here. <laughs> Who cares if I squeeze it from the middle? Sweet. <laughs> Oh my goodness, so you squeeze from the middle. Okay. (laughs) Do you prefer to read a book or watch TV? Read a book. Toilet paper, over or under? Over. What am I, an animal? (laughs) Right? When someone trips, do you immediately laugh or offer assistance? Offer assistance. Oh, you're much better than me. I do. I have to admit, I am I that might be person. laughing while I'm offering assistance, but you know. I don't. <laughs> right. So let's talk a little bit about your new cookbook, Dinner Uncomplicated. Now, this is your second cookbook. Your first is Uncomplicated. It's taken the stress out of home cooking. Yeah. So what was the inspiration for Dinner Uncomplicated? So the first book came out in 2018, and it's a combination of courses, some breakfast, some entertaining, some baking. And I was um, delighted, interested, curious to find that the readers of the first book responded the most enthusiastically to the easy weeknight dinners. Because you don't know, you make a cookbook, you have no idea what's going to stick, right? You put it out in the world. And I thought, oh, maybe everybody's going to love the cocktail section, or maybe everyone's going to go crazy for the breakfast. Who knows? So uh, that's what I heard from my readers, from my students, from um, from everybody who wrote to me. Was It was the easy weeknight dinners that were really resonating for them. For many people, spending even 10 minutes in the kitchen is too much time. And I thought, well, that's clearly where the need is. And at that same time, my own son, who's, uh, he's almost nine now, I mean, he's Growing up and getting more into the, the kind of the routine of, you know, school and then hockey and uh, tutoring and activities and all that stuff. And I was feeling it, too, that we needed more ideas for easy dinners uh, for our own family. And so I thought, well, let's let me just focus on that exclusively. So I said, I'm going to do 100 percent dinner, 90 recipes every single one of them for dinner. When I was working on the 15 minute chapter for this book, I was looking for every possible shortcut I could find, right? Like 15 minutes is not a ton of time, Mm -hmm. but I wanted to make sure we were doing some beautiful recipes, still having amazing output. And one of the shortcuts that I incorporated into this book is ramen noodles. Oh yes, the Mr. Noodles of our university days. Because (laughs) it's fantastic. I love it. 
You know, they cook in an inch and a half of water in three minutes and they are delicious. They're also super fun. Kids love them. Like they're so curly and kind of like slinkies, like edible slinkies. Now you chuck out the seasoning packet and make your own sauce. But that was such a revelation. It's fun food. It's fun food. It's fast food and it's inexpensive and it's you can get them everywhere. And I kind of also, it's a little tongue in cheek for me. Yeah. You know what? Ramen noodles. I'm really not a snob here. Like I love it. I really believe in using whatever shortcut you can get your hands on. Yeah. And so am I. That's why I love this cookbook. Honestly, I know oh, I thanks. keep on saying it and it sounds like I'm kissing <laughs> up to you here, Claire, but honestly, <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> I do love it because of that very reason. It makes it so simple and fun. Mm-hmm. It's fun. Like, what's the, why, why not? Right. Yeah. yeah. That's I mean, cooking, having dinner, making dinner and having dinner with the people you love um, every day can truly be the best of your day. It really can be. And the way to do that is to eliminate all the stress around it. And that's why this book is full of all kinds of tips and strategies about that. Um, but like lean into the joy of it. My goodness. Uh, it's right there for the taking. You can have it too. When you look at this cookbook, would you say that it's written for the intermediate, beginner, advanced? Who did you design this for? So I'm happy to report that it's kind of for everybody. Uh, And I have heard from readers who are experienced cooks. I've heard from teenagers who've never cooked a single thing. Um, Everybody is using this book. And that's, I'm so delighted to hear that because it proves to me that no matter if you're a fantastic cook and you've got every resource at your disposal or you're just starting out and you only have one frying pan, you still need ideas for dinner. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with how terrific 15 minutes supper solution or, you know, something you can stash in the freezer to be a favor for your future self. Um, Some delicious dinner that you can come up with. I have a nephew who's, uh, he's 21. And this was a child who grew up essentially eating butter on hot dog buns. A child who did not like to to eat. He did not like to cook. He didn't, he was not interested. Anyway, of course, he goes off to university and um, he's been teaching himself to cook uh, using my books and absolutely loving it. And now I get these texts from him on Sunday afternoon saying, hey, Auntie Claire, uh, you know your recipe on page uh, 27 for the steak with the arugula (laughs) salad? If I can't find arugula, what should I use? I'm like, oh my gosh, I love this kid. So truly, whether you're a novice or a pro, um, I think you'll find some delicious practical dinner solutions in this new book. I'm Mary Mammoliti, and you're listening to the Kitchen Confession Podcast. Today, I'm talking with Claire Tanzi, author of the cookbook, Dinner Uncomplicated. Do any of the recipes in this book hold any strong memories or connections for you? Oh, gosh, so many. I mean, food is about so much more than just eating, right? It's about memory. It's about uh, family. It's about experiences. You could probably throw a dart at the table of contents, and I could tell you, uh, you know, some story about it. One that we made on the weekend um, was the rosemary beef stew from the weekends and celebrations chapter, which it was based on a recipe that my aunt taught me how to make when I was a teenager. Um, and she was a sink. She never had any children. So she kind of, she, she, she put up with my brother and sister and I, um, but she would try to teach us to be adults in a certain way. And she taught me a lot about mm-hmm. cooking. I, I remember when she taught me, I felt like a real grown up. You know, when you feel like when an adult is talking to you in a certain way and you feel like a grown up. Mm-hmm. And so she taught me how to make this rosemary stew um, with little dumplings on it. And and we also made a very special salad. We used watercress and she had walnut oil. And these ingredients all seemed like 
totally fancy. Right. Um, but I have such a clear memory of being in her kitchen and her showing me how to make that. And uh, she passed away seven years ago. And so I always make that stew on her, what would have been her birthday. And there's an emotional connection to a recipe. Yeah. For some reason, it just tastes that much better. Mm-hmm. It really does. Food is so much central to my life. It's so, it's so much what um, brings me joy, um, and what can transport me to another time. You know, whether it was an amazing trip or uh, I took with my husband, or just being in my mom's kitchen, or having a long conversation with my sister about the ups and downs of trying to grate onions. Um, I feel so connected to other people through conversations about food. Were there any recipes that took you the longest to perfect in this book? Oh my gosh, that's such a good question. Pasta fagioli easily was the one that uh, killed me. (laughs) It sounds so simple, but I know what you're talking about. (laughs) It is, honestly, I have said this from, even this always the case at Chatelaine, it is the simplest recipes that are the most complicated. So pasta fagioli, which is, you know, it's an Italian peasant dish. It's very, very straightforward. I was really focused on getting that dish into the 15 minute chapter. And for the recipes in the 15 minute chapter, I want to be able to walk into the kitchen. I would start the timer when I was doing my development. If Mm -hmm. I was not eating when the timer hit 15 minutes, the recipe was cut. So I was determined to get pasta fagioli into that chapter. I Uh tried and I tried and I tried. And I mean, I cannot tell you how many batches of pasta fagioli. It was always landing at about 22 minutes, which is like, it's hard to shave seven minutes off of a recipe. Anyway, so I, (laughs) I was truly felt like I was beating my head against the wall. So I kind of put it aside and as I was working on the, um, I think it's my favorite chapter, the Sunday stash chapter, in which I give you four master recipes um, that kind of, you know, you want to make in big, huge batches and yep. then divide them into three, pop them in the freezer. And then I give you three ways to use each master recipe. So in one of the recipes I was working on for the Sunday stash was um, a sort of a slow cooked beans, like brothy beans. So, you know, you get your dried beans, you soak them, and then you cook them slowly with like some celery and onion and bitter rosemary absolutely beautiful makes an incredibly delicious uh simple bean dish and then you can turn that into uh, burritos you can turn it into a simple bean and sausage stew and if you use those beautiful brothy beans and add a little bit of tomato some cooked pasta you have pasta fagioli phenomenal so i crammed (laughs) that pasta fagioli into the sunday stash recipe Very happy. <laughs> Did you ever have the family kind of say, not again, this again? <laughs> From the recipe testing process. Think, oh, they had long they had long given up on me and my passive agility. They're like, oh, she's trying it again. <laughs> so who's your toughest food critic? Oh, my son. Oh my gosh. Without a doubt. Without <laughs> a doubt. Say that. <laughs> he is <laughs> He, uh, so I have that condition where I'm, I'm a super taster. Like I have too many taste buds. Um, so mm-hmm. it means that some taste, some, I can really taste things and really smell things very acutely. And he got it from me too. So when this child was three years old, he could taste the difference between medium and mild cheddar. Um, no he way. can taste the difference between an organic chicken and a, a grocery store chicken. Um, Come on. He, we were, we were making donuts together yesterday and I was grating nutmeg, you know, fresh nutmeg into the donut mixture. Yeah. And he said, it smells lemony. And I looked at him and I went, oh my gosh, he's right. 
he's right. The little jerk. He's right. <laughs> so he is incredibly sensitive to flavor. Um, and yes, so <laughs> humbling as it may be, I can make something. I mean, I, I made something. I made uh, pasta with butter and Parmesan. And I had used unsalted butter instead of salted butter. <laughs> no way. I don't he the calls that. for that. Oh, of course he did. No of way. course he did. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh, I, you need to, I, I'm going to hire him to test <laughs> mine. <laughs> I, I'm going to, I mean, whoever he, you know, whoever partners up with him in the end is in for a rocky road. <laughs> Who would you say are the three people that have been the most influential to you? Um, brr, gosh, probably my mom and dad, my mom, who wonderful cook, um, my dad, who is the most joyful eater on earth. He still, my parents have been married for 53 years. He will still call me to tell me how good my mom's dinner was. Uh, no so the, the adoration there, like, yeah, you know, he'll say, you know, we went to a party, they had pie. Honestly, there's just not as good as your mother's. So, <laughs> so the, the total joy in eating uh, comes from my dad and my mom who just uh, a very uh, practical woman. She was a nurse and she could, you know, she just, she just cooked and, and did such a great job at it. And then um, one of my earliest bosses uh, who I worked for when I was uh, in apprenticing as a chef, he just taught me so much about paying attention to food, paying attention to all the little things. How does it taste? How does it feel in your mouth? Um, you know, and he also really taught me the lesson about uh using every single piece of food that you have in a restaurant that's a necessity you cannot throw anything out you have to make money off of everything that comes into the kitchen um, right. but just thinking about it in that way has always made me feel like you need to it's sort of a respect thing you need to respect this piece of food and get the attention and love that it deserves now we're going to do a game of rapid fire favorite ingredient to cook with Tofu. You've got five minutes to move into a new kitchen and you can only take one item with you. What would it be and why? The kitchen knife. It does everything. Curse words you use in the kitchen. I don't think I can say these live. <laughs> <laughs> we have a we have an expression. So I I'm from I'm from Quebec. And so we have an expression which is a banana. <laughs> That's probably the cleanest one I can use. <laughs> You have time to yourself. No interruptions. What do you do? Um, oh, uh, crank up the music and um, putter around the house while you're tidying things up. If you could have a superpower, what would it be? To be able to sleep anywhere. That's my sister. She could sit and fall asleep wherever you put her. And I need like, I need the mask. I need the dark room. I need the earplugs. Like if one thing is off, I, the, it's, I'm a lost cause. And I would really love to be able to sleep anywhere. What is your junk food kryptonite? Wine gums. Oh, that's a good mm. one. Oh, yeah. I can't walk in and out of the bulk store without some. I mean, I could be going in for millet and I'll still come out with wine gums. If your fridge could talk, what would be the one word it would use to describe your food choices? Condiments. Justin Timberlake brought sexy back. What would you bring back? Meatloaf. Oh, great answers. 
Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. So, you got me thinking now. I'm like, should I bring back meatloaf? <laughs> yeah. Like, like in my first book, there was an urban garlic uh, meatloaf in my first book, very traditional and easily one of the top five most popular recipes from the first book. And in the second book, I did a turkey meatloaf in a cast iron skillet. So it cooks mm-hmm. really quickly. And it's been another huge hit. People love meatloaf, my friends. Last but not least, I ask all my guests to share a kitchen confession with us. <laughs> Do you have anything to share with us? <laughs> what do you mean? I already told you about my pasta fagioli uh, <laughs> tri- trials and tribulations. <laughs> I got to tell you, you know, I am, I mentioned earlier that I've been making donuts with my son. So my son has been home uh, because there was a confirmed case of COVID. Uh, so he's just been, he's fine, but he has to self-isolate. So, you know, I'm coming up with things for him to do. Um, so he, he said, let's make donuts. I said, fine, let's make donuts. So we made donuts yesterday and, um, I, we have a deep fryer and I did this one thing. I mean, it's such, it's such a dumb mistake. I can't believe I still make this mistake. I, I read the book, the little booklet that comes with the deep fryer. Uh-huh. It told me to fry the donuts at 350. I said, okay. that's funny. I always fry my donuts at 375. <laughs> oh, well, I'm going to do it at 350, whatever. Well, you know what? It wasn't hot enough and the donuts are greasy and heavy and <laughs> <laughs> sort of a, a bit of a flop. The great thing is my son still thinks they're amazing, which is perfect. So he can nibble away on those, but just I took a big sharpie to the to the instruction book that came with the deep fryer, and just said, you know what? It's three seventy five people for donuts. Three seventy five. Trust your instincts. <laughs> Speaking of donuts, do you prefer yes. cake or yeast donuts? Well, I prefer cake donuts um, with Me a little too. cinnamon sugar on them. Oh my gosh! Oh, also, so I'm, I'm always too impatient for yeast donuts. I can't like I want them now. Oh, I know. Yeah, and cake donuts are that's, so yummy. Honestly, we are the same person because that's my reason for the yeast. I will eat them if someone makes them. Agreed. But if I have to do it, I'm like, I don't have the patience for this. Thank you so much for joining me on the show. This has been a lot of fun. Oh my gosh, this has been the best. Thank you. Excellent. Thank you. So if listeners want to reach out for more info from you, how can they find you? Where can they get a copy of Dinner Uncomplicated? So you can get Dinner Uncomplicated everywhere the books are sold, Chapters, Indigo, uh, all the independents. If you know where I live, you're welcome to come and knock on my door. Um, and <laughs> uh, if you wonder where I live, you can try DMing me. Um, but yeah, you can always find me at clairetansy.com and all the information is there. And of course, uh, on Instagram, I'm at Tansy Claire. So it's just my names, but reversed. And you can find Claire Tansy's Kitchen on Facebook. We have a really lively group of people who read and use the cookbook. We have an amazing private group on Facebook where people are always sharing their uh, uh, triumphs and fails. And uh, it's a really it's a really fun community there, too. It's that time. We've reached the end of another show. Did we get your stomach growling? Head over to kitchenconfession.com for more recipes and foodie finds. Plus, you can check out ami.ca forward slash kitchen confession for all the latest on the podcast. Be sure to leave a rating and review so we can keep bringing you more episodes you'll love. Our producer and editor is Matt Agnew, and I'm your host, Mary Mammolini. Thanks for listening. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit ami.ca.